Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Before our regular show begins, I always take a moment to greet our video audience. And as I was doing that this morning, I was kind of noticing the old voice sounds a little raspy here. Um, quick confession, then we'll get on with the topic at hand. I do coach my son's baseball team. I also coach my daughter's soccer team as well. And for whatever reason in life, I'm just a loud person. There are certain people that are just louder than other people. I'm one of those people. Um, I have a tendency to just sort of coach very loudly. And I guess last night I was coaching a little too loudly. So you hear a little raspiness in the voice. Uh, I think Kirby Smart's a little bit the same way. It's one of the reasons why if you ever are around, you know, one of those, you know, around campus during the time George's practice, whatever else, you hear Smart kind of booming into a microphone. It's one of his ways of, I guess, trying to save his voice maybe i should start trying to do the same thing a little bit so uh, a little raspy here today but nonetheless feeling great and really excited about the show and very interested to begin things this way Uh, i thought that georgia linebacker adam anderson had a very interesting tweet as of late and it's not just interesting for what anderson himself says it's actually interesting for the topic that introduces around georgia football let me show you this for those of you watching on the screen and we'll kind of get into it so i guess it's 24 7 sports puts out their list of the top 10 you know pass rushers edge rushers coming back for the 2021 season via pro football focus and obviously some people care about those kinds of numbers more so than others you see usual suspects on here Guys like Kayvon, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau and obviously uh, Nick Benito for uh, Oklahoma a year ago. The Oklahoma pass rush got way better uh, last year than a lot of folks realize. You see Will Anderson on here from Alabama. Maybe somewhat surprisingly, Brenton Cox is on here from Florida. I don't, don't quite know what to make about that. Uh, but Adam Anderson sees the list, tweets it, kind of gives you kind of a, I guess you call that like a frowning emoji or whatever else, and says, I'm not surprised they overlook us as always. So Adam Anderson feeling like the nation does doesn't quite realize what Georgia is going to have as a pass rush for 2021. And obviously the unspoken context to all of this is, is Anderson himself feels like he is going to be a big part of that. And listen, you know, I'm not really quite sure what I, you know, make of the 24-7 sports reference to the pro football focus stuff here, as I said before. Certain people value the PFF numbers more so than others, but on the idea that maybe Anderson and some of these Georgia edge rushers have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder to prove to you how good they can be this upcoming season, I can promise you that. Me, you, every other Georgia fan that's a, a part of our broadcast right now, we all like the idea of that. Everybody likes the idea of this team playing with an edge, on the edge, if you'll pardon the pun, to go out there and show exactly what it can be now while nationally some folks might not be noticing georgia might not be thinking uh too much about adam anderson or nolan smith a guy that connor riley who'll join us later wrote about this morning at dognation.com obviously you know around the program there is seemingly a lot of energy around this group let me go back to a few weeks ago do you remember when we had aziz ojalari on dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia i asked him on the show what he thought about the guys looking to you know kind of follow in his footsteps and fill the shoes that were so prodigious for georgia a year ago what ojalari did from a pass rush standpoint well on this show aziz did not hold back in his belief that anderson who we just talked about nolan smith the other guys who will mention in this context that he believes they are absolutely setting up for a big year when it comes to getting after quarterbacks in fact this is what aziz ojalari had to say about that there's gonna be a whole lot of sacks coming this fall for sure they let nolan nolan and adam and don't sleep on bill too they, they let those boys get off the edge it's gonna be a dangerous spot that there's gonna be a whole lot of sacks coming this season i promise you that adam's so fast bill strength First step, Nolan, quickness, strength. I'm telling you, man, if they let those boys loose, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a crazy fall in Athens, man, for sure. If they let those boys lose, it's going to be a crazy fall in Athens. And I think I speak on behalf of a lot of Georgia fans when I say, well, if that's the case, then by all means, let them lose. Let them go out there and do their thing. Because, look, I I do think Georgia fans believe that Anderson can have a really big year. And I do think that Georgia fans believe that Nolan Smith can have a really big year. And, yes, they share 
playing time, which means they share snaps, which means they sh- sometimes, sh- you know, share and split each other's, you know, uh, sacks and stats and productivity and all that kind of stuff. But it's good to have them both. And uh, you also heard Ojolari there kind of give a shout out to the Tennessee three with Bill Norton. He mentions him in the midst of all this conversation there as well. But Ojolari, you'd obviously know he uh, has played alongside these guys looking at what's still at Georgia now that he's gone, says, oh, there's going to be all kinds of sacks to be had. Uh, around this Georgia program here for this upcoming season. And to add to that, one of the most interesting things that Kirby Smart said during spring practice was about the idea of replacing Ojolari and who gets a chance to 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 be that guy following the footsteps of Ojolari, who obviously provided so much for Georgia a year ago. The bowl game went against Cincinnati, maybe the most prominent example of that at all. And as you think about these edge rushers, the phrase that the 24-7 sports graphic used a moment ago that Adam Anderson had referenced on Twitter, you know, sometimes that's outside linebackers like Anderson or, or Nolan Smith. But as Kirby Smart said this spring, sometimes that's also those guys who are playing a little bit more of a traditional defensive end type role there as well. So if we're talking about, you know, the edge rushers for Georgia not getting enough attention, former five stars like Adam Anderson and Nolan Smith are part of that conversation, listen to who else Kirby Smart wants to make sure that you all kind of keep in your mind in this conversation for where the pass rush comes from Georgia this year. This was fascinating from Kirby Smart back in the spring. Let's get a reminder of that right now. I'm looking for everybody on the defense to improve. You know, we, we have to um, create pass rush. Uh, we have to create havoc. We have to do those same things. I thought last year was probably one of our uh, best years ever in terms of sack production. And uh, Dan has done a good job making that a priority by the way he schemes the defense and the way he calls the defense. And we, we had productive rushers, but a lot of that was, you know, what he called and trying to scheme to get guys one-on-one. You know, Travon's the guy that's going to have to have a big year for us. Uh, not only is he replacing Malik, but in a lot of ways he's replacing Aziz. And I think everybody just assumes with Aziz being gone that it's like Nolan's job. It's not like that for us because 60, 70 percent of the snaps, Travon is Aziz and Nolan is Aziz. They're just one's left and one's right. So both those guys play defensive end a lot. There is so much to unpack from Kirby Smart right there. It is all fascinating. Three kind of things that jump out to me. I love the way that Smart says that at the very beginning. Because sometimes coaches like leaving for themselves some wiggle room. For instance, you know, if an offense is struggling, a coach might say, listen, we don't care how many points we score. We're just trying to win the game. You know, trying to take pressure off of whatever might be deficient at any given moment. But smart right there when it comes to the sacks and the havoc rate, the tackles for loss, those things we've talked about so much. The three words that smart uses at the beginning of that clip, I think are emphatic and they're unmistakable. He says, we have to. This is not an option. This is not a, hey, as long as we win games, who cares what the defense looks like? No, he says, there is a certain makeup and and complexion this defense has to have we have to get after quarterbacks we have to make that a priority for the program we have to have sacks we have to have tackles for loss that is not a negotiable characteristic of our defense that is something that has to be there I love that strong language from smart he also says listen last year we got better as a pass rush and he says it's actually the priority that Dan Lanning made that because of his play calling the way that he schemed up the defense that led to that being true and I think that is something that Lanning ought to get a lot of credit for because clearly Georgia has improved in that category let's go back to 2018 for a moment back in 2018 Georgia was just uh 12th in the SEC in sacks they had 24 in the season there in 2018 in 2019 getting a little bit better Georgia moves up to seventh in the SEC in sacks they got to 31 last year short season remember that you're only playing fewer games and you're playing only SEC competition but Georgia actually had 32 sacks a year ago which put them third in the SEC in sacks last year you see year over year over year improvement when it comes to Georgia's pass rush I credit Dan Lanning for that it is one of the reasons why I think one of the untold stories for Georgia so far during this offseason is the fact that Georgia's held on to Dan Lanning he has changed the makeup of this UGA defense I think he's changed it for the better even though the defense probably didn't play great in its two biggest games a year ago the identity of the defense is evolving and I believe evolving in a very good direction and of course finally the last thing you'll say about what Kirby Smart said a moment ago is the presence of Trayvon Walker and I'm going to be you know just kind of simple here for a moment but I think sometimes there's a lot of truth in simplicity 
How could you not be excited about a front seven than as Trayvon Walker, Nolan Smith, Adam Anderson, before you even start mentioning some of the other names that are there? Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean, whatever else. How could you not be excited about that? And listen, sometimes in life, things don't quite work out at the full kind of top end of what you thought was possible. But I tell you this, I can promise you Dan Lanning and Kirby Smart will go to bat, go to battle with the three names that I just mentioned, kind of leading the way for this Georgia pass rush. And if Anderson says, listen, I think, I think, you know, the nation's overlooking me, overlooking my teammates, there's a chance that actually might be true. I mean, three years worth of improvement when it comes to the pass rush is itself a trend. And Georgia is trending up there in that category. And a whole bunch of former five stars have a lot of NFL potential right there within their grasp if they can just take another big step here this year. I kind of agree with Adam Anderson. I don't think the nation quite knows yet how good this Georgia pass rush can be. And for a Georgia defense that's breaking in some new names in the secondary, kind of needs all the help that it can get. The presence of, as Aziz Ojolari said, a whole bunch of sacks in Athens this fall, that could certainly be a very good thing. All right, very quickly here, let me transition to something completely different for a moment. I'm going to show this on video, and for those of you listening radio and podcasts, I've described this to you, but uh, a very interesting tweet came out this week with a photo that might take a little bit of interpretation, but once you kind of figure out what it means, I think we're heading in a very good direction, not just as Georgia fans, but college football fans we head towards the fall. You look around, all around us, there are signs that the world is coming back to normal. We've been through a rough go of it here last year and a half, whatever it is. But man, there is so much optimism right now about the way things are improving and the way life is starting to get back to normal. And sometimes I think our job is to simply just take yes for an answer. Let me show you this on the screen here. Beautiful photo from John Bateman, uh, UGA staffer of the scene around Sanford Stadium. Now, for those of you watching on video, you may not quite know what you're looking at, but look as look at what's not there. You know, in those seats right there in the middle of the stadium, uh, all up and down those rows, the chair back seats that oftentimes are just kind of a nice little uh, perk for season ticket holders who want to purchase them. But unfortunately, in 2020, it became the barrier for social distancing. Those things are all coming out right now. All of those chair back seats are coming out, which I think if you read the replies to uh, uh, at Mayor of Millage on Twitter, John Bateman's uh, 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 tweet there, I think you get the sense that a lot of folks take that as, oh boy, uh, he says it's a big day, and it is for a lot of Georgia fans because they realize the social distancing seats are coming out of Sanford Stadium, and all of a sudden now that idea of you know free-for-all for everybody back between the hedges this fall it seems all the more possible of course this upcoming weekend Georgia's also got a uh, full crowd availability at Foley Field for a big Diamond Dogs baseball series against Ole Miss uh, there's been lots of great news coming out of the state of North Carolina as of late now the uh, obvious assumption and it's I think even beyond an assumption at this point in time it is going to happen full crowd for Georgia Clemson there in Charlotte Folks, it's happening. It's getting back to normal. This upcoming fall is going to be a blast. I can't wait to celebrate all of it with all of you. We have been through a lot, and things are about to get better in Athens, in Charlotte for the season opener, and everywhere else around the SEC footprint. What a uh, great time to be a college football fan as we head towards the 2021 season. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia and glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Video, all kinds of platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. I know we had a little bit of a YouTube thing yesterday, but it seems like hopefully that's back to normal here today. Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, the ref podcast. Wherever you find them, the Apple Player, the Google Player, a lot of you listen there on Spotify, WorldFamousDogNation.com. You listen directly through SoundCloud, all kinds of podcast podcast platforms, all kinds of ways for you to get in touch with what we're doing here. And none of this would be possible that our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia, you know, ESOG is a great recommendation from me for you because of a few reasons. First of all, they're proud partners of UGA, makes them really fun to do business with. Uh, they've been good friends of ours here at Dog Nation Daily for a long time. I love encouraging you to support those who support the Georgia football program, who support our show here, Dog Nation Daily. That's just a really good thing to be able to do. Plus, when you're a homeowner, you know the importance of 
you know, dealing with a foundation or waterproofing issue. You're talking about the structural integrity of your home, your home, arguably the, the biggest investment you have, and you want to do everything you can to protect that. That is what the folks at Engineered Solutions of Georgia have dedicated their life to doing. They have two full-time engineers on staff. That means they are experts in whatever might be afflicting your home if you're dealing with one of those foundation waterproofing issues. The other good thing is they're a solutions-based company, which means if it's a simple fix, they'll just tell you that. They are, you know, they're looking to solve your problem big or small. So the time is now to get in touch, and the number to get in touch with them could not be easy to remember. You've been hearing me say this for years now. Simply give them a call, 678-ESOG-NOW. That is 678-ESOG-NOW, and that'll get you in touch with my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. It's so good to have them and you, of course, as a part of Dog Nation Daily with us here today. Now, we're going to get Connor Riley coming up in just a couple of moments, Kroger Fresh Take coming up with him. Before that, though, I do want to go around the doghouse, and much like a moment ago, I went back into time and let you hear something that I thought was very interesting, the Kirby Smart said from spring practice. I want to do that again right now, and I want to do it on a completely different subject. I've told you before that I don't know that any one word spoken by Kirby during the spring that caused my ears to perk up more than anything else was something that Kirby Smart said about wide receiver Marcus Rosemey Jackson, who obviously we all saw suffer just a horrible injury. I'm talking about just a grotesque video of the injury that he suffered on a touchdown score near the beginning of the game against Florida. You talk about, and I'm not making a lot of the injury situation for Rosemey Jackson because he's obviously been through a lot. You know about my mood changing so fast after the Samir White touchdown to start that game, the Rosemey Jackson touchdown to kind of keep the momentum going, but then you realize he's hurt and everything that happens after that. What a horrible, horrible turn of events for the for the wrong and the bad that was for Georgia a year ago. And to be completely honest with you, and I hate to be negative, but to be completely honest with you, when I saw the injury that Rosemey Jack Saint suffered, I mean, I was just under the belief that, man, this was going to be a long, hard recovery, and he was going to have to really lean on his support system, his family, his friends, and everything else. It was just hard to watch, and injuries like that often come with a lot of uh, rehab and a lot of time-consuming, painstaking efforts to get back to where you know you were before. But something that Smart said this spring led you to believe, wow, maybe things are actually going way better on this, admittedly, than I assumed they would be by this point in time. This was great from Kirby back then. Take a listen to this. The depth has taken a hit, obviously, with George. You know, Jermaine's been back running around doing some things. He's getting a lot more flexibility. You know, Marcus Rosemey's really close. He's out there running around doing walkthroughs, doing conditioning. You see him on the side getting to run, and you know that he's close to being healthy. Close. That was the word that Smart used. And I got to tell you something. It did feel great to realize over the course of the last couple of weeks just how close Kirby Smart is on that. I should say how close Marcus Rosemey Jackson is to being able to return. We showed you the video the other day of him making the really good one-handed catch. And obviously, that's always a cool thing to see. But it was the it was the mobility that was showing during that video that was so impressive. And now we have another one of these videos that we can show you there as well. In fact, let me put this on the screen for those of you watching on video. Receiver Factory out of Fort Lauderdale shares this. Look at Rosemey Jackson. Accent cutting and doing kind of like a cone drill, uh, you know, you know, working on his skill set and everything like that. Boy, when Smart said close about Rosemary Jack saying it caused me to perk up because that's not the word I necessarily expected to hear from him so soon. But the videos we've seen lately, including this one right here, would absolutely lead you to believe that that's not an exaggeration on Smart's part to say that he is close to being able to return. And think about what this means for Georgia. I told you yesterday we we're talking about Aaron Smith. There are four former top 10 recruits in the Georgia wide receiver room right now. And unfortunately, three of them are coming back from injury. Well, given the fact that Arian Smith showed off some blazing speed at a UGA track event over the course of the weekend, you can expect something pretty big from him. Given the fact that we've seen these videos kind of leaking out of Rosemey Jack saying going through some pretty aggressive training right now. Sounds like he may be closer and closer and closer to being a guy you can contribute, ask for a contribution from there as well. All of a sudden, on paper, even with George Pickens dealing with what he's dealing with, the Georgia wide receiver situation, from a talent standpoint, actually seems deeper than it's been at any point in time under Kirby Smart. We know how important that offensive upgrade for Georgia is this year. But the talent might be in place, especially if a guy like Rosemey Jackson is on his way back. For, for Georgia to have more weapons, 
out wide, more opportunities for JT Daniels to have dynamic playmakers to throw to than, than Georgia fans are used to seeing. The Rosemary Jack Saint videos that we're seeing right now, man, that is really good stuff to be able to see. That is around the doghouse. Before I bring on Connor Riley here today, let me remind you of what I told you yesterday. So I know some of you had gone to braves.com slash dog nation to buy your tickets for our event coming up on Friday. You were told that it was sold out. We have opened up some more spots available, but this is not like one of those things. We're just going to keep doing this. Like truly there's only so much space in the, you know, the, the facility we're going to be meeting at and enjoying the, 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 the dinner at. So there's, you know, we're about at our limit on that. So please get in today to get your tickets if you haven't. And if you've been missing a few of our shows, you don't know what I'm talking about. Let me kind of give you just a quick, uh, quick synopsis of all this. So Dog Nation getting back together for the first time in a long time this upcoming Friday. It's our Dog Nation Days of Summer event. We're going to be live at the Battery Atlanta and Truist Park uh, as the Braves get ready to take on the Pittsburgh Pirates there that night. It's part of alumni weekend for the Atlanta Braves. We're helping kick all that off. And tickets for this event are just seven. $77 per person. Here's what it includes. All of us going to the Braves game together that night. The entire Dog Nation staff that's there and all of you are going to be sitting together in that lower level diamond corner section as the Braves get ready to take on the Pirates that night. We're going to do a bunch of giveaways. You're going to have a chance to win. Uh, Braves signed baseballs, Braves tickets to upcoming games, or uh, some gift cards to the Terrapin Tap Room. That's the uh, space where this event's going to be taking place. It's all starting at 4 p.m. We're going to have a Dog Nation get together. We're going to be talking some Georgia football We'll do a live broadcast. We'll do one of the Q&As like we've done before for our Dog Nation days of summer events. We're all going to enjoy dinner that night by Fox Brothers Barbecue. You'll get three different drink tickets for the uh, Terrapin beer that's uh, there at the Terrapin Tap Room. Of course, uh, Terrapin, kind of an Athens original there. So that's kind of a cool thing all the way around. This is going to be a great time. It goes down starting at 4 p.m. Includes tickets to the Braves game, Dog Nation giveaways. This is going to be a great, great time. And there's a little bit of space left. For those of you who've already gotten your tickets, I can't wait to see you there for those of you who've dragged your feet i'm telling you right now if you want to be a part of it all of our tickets are about to be gone and after that there's nothing i can do uh braves.com slash dog nation braves.com slash dog nation or if you have a specific question about something you can send an email info at dognation.com and you can get all the information that you need hopefully that's clear uh hit me up if you've got some questions some of you reached out on twitter as well at dognation daily and i'll do everything i can to help because i want to see as many of you as i can it's going to be a huge crowd many of you as i can for our big event coming up on friday i cannot wait for that all right with all of that said there's still a lot left for us to do on the program here today and so let's keep it rolling right now good stuff from him lately at dognation.com a lot of energy around the georgia program here as we uh head into the best parts of the summer so let's do it all right now as a part of a kroger fresh take with connor riley here on dog nation daily presented by esog Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead. Here's a DogNation.com insider. Kroger Fresh Take Time with uh, Connor Riley. And Connor, before we get into the news of the day and everything going around Georgia football, I believe I have correct intel on this. You will be with us for Dog Nation Days of Summer at Battery Atlanta and Truist Park on Friday. I, I am correct in saying that, right? That is correct. I will be there in person. Well, that's good. I'm happy to have you there. It's going to be a great time, and I've already heard from so many of you who are also planning on being there. It is going to be so much fun. Let me also uh, begin with you where I just was. I think this Rosemary Jack Saint thing is really fun. And, you know, listen, short videos can sometimes be misleading, but when you pair eyewitness accounts, video proof, and by the way, if that can prove UFOs, which seems to be a thing these days, it can certainly prove the uh, the health and return to a full health of, a, of an injured Georgia wide receiver. You pair those videos with what Kirby Smart you know said during the spring, all of a sudden I have had to greatly upgrade my – my expectation for Rosemary Jack Saint this year. I think he's a big time prospect. The question was, how healthy would he be? Well, apparently he's healthier than I kind of assumed that he would be. And I hate to be negative about that, but I just, I thought his injury was just really a tough thing to watch back when it, when it happened against Florida. The point is, man, I'm really excited about the possibility given these videos you're seeing come out about him. Yeah, a few years ago I was talking with John, our buddy John Stinchcomb and it was when Ben Cleveland had his injury in the 2018 season and it was clear that like he couldn't come back and be the same player that he was pre-injury and we were sort of discussing it and what John had told me was 
you know, with big guys, it's those bone injuries, those ankle injuries that give you more cause than, say, like a, a knee injury just because they're not that athletic and cutting all that much. With Rosemey Jack Saint, you know, well, yes, George Pickens and Dominic Blaylock have those ACL injuries. My understanding is that Rosemey Jack Saint didn't suffer any ligament damage. It was just sort of the bone that snapped. And so once you get that repaired, it's it's – it's fixed. It's not, you know, how does it respond to that? And I think these videos that you continue to see from him are just more encouraging signs and why, you know, I never sold any of my Rosemary stock, but yeah. I've been quietly buying this offseason, so I appreciate you going out and, and saying, you know, I just don't know when he's going to be back. Right. I've bought a good bit of Rosemary stock. And, uh, you know, Georgia has an opening at that X position, and I think Rosemary Jackson has a great chance of filling it in that first game against Clemson. So whatever the opposite of a pump and dump is, <laughs> that's what you're saying I did. Yeah. I, oh, I'm glad to know I could have helped you out on that. I mean, I, here Here's the thing is that, you know, for those people who follow recruiting very closely, the one thing they're aware of is, is if you want to go back a few years ago, Georgia was obviously cleaning house at most position groups in recruiting. But the wide receiver position, unfortunately, for whatever reason, just kind of lagged behind on that. Georgia was not recruiting the receiver spot the same way it was recruiting other uh, other places. From 2019 on, that has kind of changed. And, and that's without even considering the fact that Adonai Mitchell may be a way better player than his yeah. recruiting profile would have suggested. Let's not even count that for a moment because that's obviously to be determined. But when you sign, you know, Blaylock and Pickens from the class of 2019, uh, you know, Pickens a five star, Blaylock essentially knocking on the door of, of being a five star was for much of that cycle. And then two more top 10 receivers for the class of 2020 and Rosemary Jack Saint and uh, uh, Arian Smith, obviously Jermaine Burton, you know, very, very close to being that same level of player there as well, uh, you know, measurably very close to all of that. All of a sudden now, you know, Georgia's not recruiting receivers at a level too far below these programs that we think of always having great receivers. And in fact, I mean, I hate to do this off the top of my head because I might prove myself wrong on this. But if you put a list of the recruiting rankings, and I realize that's not the end all be all. I totally mm-hmm. understand that. But it's actually a fairly you know safe place to start a conversation like this. If you made a list of the recruiting credentials of the current Alabama receivers, the recruiting credentials of the current UGA receivers, I don't think you'd see some huge gap in favor of Alabama on that necessarily. You know, all of a sudden now the measurable talent, assuming these guys come back healthy again, the measurable talent in the Georgia receiving room has been dramatically upgraded over the course of the last, I would say, three recruiting cycles. Right. I think you look at some of these past recruiting cycles, and yes, Ohio State and Alabama, those they get like three top. 50 receivers in multiple classes. They're going to continue to do that because it's the way they've been able to develop and put those guys into the league. So if Georgia's able to continue to develop George Pickens and they're continue to able to develop Jermaine Burton and Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint, that's going to help making make recruiting future wide receivers even easier. And so when you see Jermaine Burton have the success he did as a freshman, when you see Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint, obviously prior to the injury, but getting out there as a freshman starting and making plays, and then if he has a big year this year, Georgia can point to, hey, we had a couple guys in that big 20, uh, 20 signing class they were able to come in and play right away, even though we had somewhat started to recruit better at that position. And it's just going to become easier and easier to pitch to these wide receiver prospects, which Georgia still needs. Because you look at, and obviously Alabama, LSU, the last couple national championship winners, they all have a bunch of great things. But difference-making wide receivers is probably the one big thing that Georgia you can most easily point to. I mean, maybe quarterback as well, but wide receiver more specifically is the one position you could have pointed to that says, those guys have dudes. Georgia does not or has not had dudes at that position. And then if the Bulldogs are able to develop those guys, I think that's going to make the wide receiver position no longer a question. And I guess my you know takeaway in all of this is, and after this we'll change the subject and talk about something different, is – Let's say for some reason it doesn't work out and Georgia doesn't have a dynamic offense this year. Mm. I mean, oh boy, it would not be a pleasant off season. I, but, but, but let's say it just kind of finishes below expectations for whatever reason. Mm. Like the one thing I don't think you can say is, well, you just got to start going out and recruiting better receivers. That has actually happened the last couple yeah. of years. I mean, Georgia has especially i mean georgia has recruited the top end of the receiver position for what you could expect given the fact that you don't have a whole lot to show these guys yeah. in terms of how they could be used in your offense georgia's probably actually exceeded expectations in terms of what they've what they have to kind of demonstrate and showcase on the field so if something goes wrong I don't think you can point to wide receiver recruiting as the reason why it went wrong, assuming some of these guys are truly healthy, Blaylock included, who we hope to hear more good news on as you go through the summer. If, if these guys are healthy, 
then you have to say Georgia's recruited well enough to have good receivers. Yeah, I, I don't think talent should be the issue at wide receiver this year. Obviously, health has so far proven to be that, with obviously Aaron Smith having a sprained wrist in the spring game, Jermaine Burton missing because of a hyperextended knee. That, that stuff does give you pause. But if those guys are healthy and able to play over the course of the season, then, I, again, I don't think talent is going to be an issue at this wide receiver spot, certainly like it was in 2019. And that's, I think, really going to make this Georgia team all that much better. So I'm not an X's and O's expert as we change the subject here. I bring on people to hopefully uh, provide some of that. A couple of years ago, we brought on Chuck Smith in the show. Chuck Smith, of course, former Atlanta Falcons, uh, you know, pass rusher, a guy who coaches and teaches pass rushing uh, to next generation type guys right now. And one of the things he challenged Georgia on when we brought him on the show, this is, I guess, his most recent appearance, you know, a year or so ago, was to construct an identity for the program that made pass rush a priority. I thought Chuck's words in this were really, really strong. And I don't think there's any doubt. I'm not saying they did this because Chuck Smith said that. I'm just saying they have done this since Chuck Smith said what he said on our show. I don't think there's any doubt that the identity of the Georgia defense has become a lot more about pass rush. I gave you the numbers a little mm-hmm. earlier in the show. 2018 to 2019 to a shorter, tougher schedule in 2020, Georgia clearly has gotten better at the pass rush spot. And when you start thinking about what Adam Anderson said off the top of our show, I know you've written about Nolan Smith. I want to get more into what you wrote about uh, at at dognation.com. My expectation for both those guys and Trayvon Walker, anybody you want to include in this conversation, it goes beyond just the fact that I believe them to be talented football players. I believe they now play in a defense that is willing to be more aggressive than maybe Georgia defenses were willing to be in, say, 2017, 2018. Good defenses, statistically speaking, but careful defenses. I think this defense is ready to break some stuff, and I really am excited about that. So I think most of us would probably agree that on the surface, the 2020 season was an unsuccessful one for Georgia, just mm-hmm. given the loss to Alabama, the loss to Florida, more specifically the way that those losses played out. But I think from a schematic standpoint, and one of the constant criticisms of Kirby Smart is, oh, well, he, he only wants to win his way, and he's not shown the willingness to adapt to a modern game. I think what I saw in the 2020 season saw that Georgia was willing to adapt and play the way that Alabama, that Clemson have in recent seasons, because you saw the wide receivers getting open downfield, unfortunately, in the first half of the year. Those throws just could not be made. And on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, that Alabama game more crystal clearly showed, hey, this idea that you're going to make teams drive on you and that's how you're going to get beat, or that's how they're going to have success, that's just not the case anymore. You need to be able to create negative plays to get the ball back to your offense so they can score more quickly. And I do think we saw a a sort of sea change in that from Georgia a season ago. Obviously, there's still some tweaks to be made in, in terms of best optimizing that. You know, of the 32 sacks they had a season ago, only four of them came from people we consider defensive linemen. I think that number has to be higher mm-hmm. going forward. But with the pass rush in particular, Again, you know, 40 sacks is a number you and I have talked about for a long time. And now, given obviously the talent that Georgia's always had in the room, now that they sort of seem to be meshing the schematic styling to get there, I think there's a good chance you see that number. They would have gotten it last year in a 13-game schedule. I think there's a chance you see it this year with a regular schedule. You wrote about Nolan Smith today at dognation.com. I hope everybody will read it. It's good stuff. But give us a little bit of a thumbnail of kind of where you see Nolan fitting into this discussion right now. Are you familiar with Jay-Z? I am a little bit. Have you? Uh, this is uh, this is off uh, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy a Kanye West album. But he asked, "Would you rather be overpaid or underrated?" Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I think I'd rather be overpaid. I think that is the correct answer. And, and you know, I, I saw Adam Anderson's tweet as well about being overlooked and sort of. And I think I I have a good. I like to think I have a good reading of where the Georgia fan base is and what they think of certain players. And it's interesting to me that I think a lot of people are really high on Adam Anderson, rightfully so, after I think what he showed in terms of coming off the edge last season. I think a lot of people are really high on Trayvon Walker, just given the obvious athletic gifts that Mm -hmm. he has. I'm not necessarily getting that same sense on Nolan Smith. And it's interesting to me because I know people say they want to see him have more sacks than he has in the first two seasons. But it's not like he was playing behind some Kwame Brown uh, at, at outside linebacker. Aziz Ojolari led the league in sacks last season, mm-hmm. and he's going to have a bigger opportunity to do this. And when he has been called upon, he does have five sacks over the last two seasons, and that's second on the team in terms of players that are going to be on Georgia's defense this year. So with Nolan, and I think the talent and the skills are there. I just think the biggest thing for him is he hasn't had an opportunity to fully showcase that. And you know, Trayvon Walker seems to be getting the benefit of the doubt there because he's 
he's coming in and replacing Malik Herring. But I think because Nolan had that number one overall player in the country designation coming in, there's been this higher expectation of him. And because Aziz Ojolari was as great, and I, I mean that word specifically great as he was last season, it, it's sort of prevented Nolan Smith from getting those reps needed to be that impact pass rusher that I think he still can be. Yeah, I mean, Aziz Ojolari, I think right now, ranks as in the kind of upper tier of players that Kirby Smart has mm-hmm. coached. And so the idea that you're going to easily surpass Ojolari for playing time that's just not a very easy thing to do because Ojolari did so much well for Georgia. As I said before, he would rank near the top of the players that Smart has coached in his you know, early days as UGA coach. But that said, the conversation around Smith amongst fans is always, I think, very interesting. You know, I monitor a lot of what goes on during our during the games in our Dog Nation forum, and one of the very common questions you get in the Dog Nation forum is. Where is Nolan Smith? I think there are a lot of fans who assume that Smith actually plays less than he actually does Mm -hmm. because the stats maybe aren't quite as prolific as you would have expected them to be for a a guy – you know that that does have the credentials that Smith has, and I think the absence of those stats have left some fans to to maybe assume that Smith is a disappointment. But I don't get the impression the Georgia coaches, at least at this point in time in his Georgia career. I don't get the impression the Georgia coaches necessarily feel that way. I don't either. And Nolan Smith is going to be a leader on this Georgia defense this year. He not be he might not be like the Nicobe Smith true alpha, but he's a guy that we're going to hear from a lot, and I think he's going to make a lot of plays. And one thing, at least from my watching of Nolan Smith, I don't know if there's a player who has more one yard tackles, especially from like a pass rushing standpoint, than Nolan Smith. He yeah. may not be able to get to the quarterback in the backfield, but he'll bring him down as like the quarterback tries to step up in the pocket and, and try and take off there. And so if he can turn a few more of those into actual sacks and say that number goes from five to eight or this coming season where he had two and a half last year, if he can get to like six this season, that's going to be huge for this Georgia pass rush because again, Georgia doesn't I don't believe Georgia needs a true dominant stud pass rusher say like Jarvis Jones was because they're going to be able to get enough from Adam Anderson Trayvon Walker I think potentially Jordan Davis Jalen Carter and obviously Nolan Smith as well to have an incredibly formidable pass rush it's almost like a Clavon chase on type number around 10 sacks something along those lines or that that was close to what chase on has last year at LSU but you know you don't have to have a lead guy have right you know 17 sacks you can have you can have a big pass rush with a lot of guys contributing the ensemble however i will say this that while i think that nolan smith's first couple of years on campus have been fine i don't think the georgia coaches would probably have much of a problem with that i do think because he does have that one next to his name former number Mm -hmm. one recruit that there is a little bit more pressure on him to have a great season this year than even someone like Adam Anderson, mm-hmm. who was also an elite recruit. And Anderson would be the highest rated recruit on most of the teams mm-hmm. in the country. Yeah. But there's a little extra pressure that Nolan carries into this upcoming season that I don't think that Anderson quite has, despite Anderson also being an elite recruit, because Nolan was number one. Nolan was a very charismatic figure on the yep. recruiting trail, which a leader. In, in this case kind of works maybe against him a little bit because that adds even more attention to to him so I think Nolan's been fine for his first couple of years I think he's going to play very well this year I have big expectations but unfortunately those expectations are on his shoulders Mm -hmm. going into the season the reason I'm not at all concerned about Nolan Smith and why I believe he's going to have a big year is in in the two years that we've gotten to know him at least on campus and having Georgia coaches talk about him the first thing they always mention about Nolan is his work ethic I don't know work ethic motor I was going to go with that good paying attention and so because of that I don't think this is going to be like a Brenton Cox situation where you know he gets a little sour and then sort of spirals from there I think Nolan is going to be a guy that's going to continue to work hard and really make an impact on this Georgia defense in 2021 all right I want to ask you about the big news of what I think at least the big news of the week the Brandon Turnage transfer we'll do that here coming up let me remind you that it's our Kroger fresh take here with Connor Riley and of course this time of year uh, heading towards those graduations and Kroger is getting you set up for everything you do as you celebrate the graduate in your life whether it be those party platters or the flowers balloons for the parties or the the perfect gift like a gift card even the greeting card stuff all of that available at your local kroger you can go to kroger.com slash graduation learn a lot more about that kroger.com slash graduation or just stop by and see the kroger closest to you i can promise you they'll take really good care of you and the graduate in your life as we head towards this i think really fun time of year uh georgia did get some big news and the person of brandon turnage former four-star 
signee in Alabama's 2019 class out of Oxford, Mississippi, spurning the hometown Old Miss Rebels to go to Alabama. Arrives to Georgia, having not played a ton at Alabama for a couple of reasons, but pretty clearly from a recruiting standpoint, fitting right into a defensive secondary that has a lot of talent. Connor, I don't want to completely restate everything I've said you know, on this yesterday, but I celebrate this more as a Georgia fan a big recruiting win more so than the typical transfer news i don't view turnage as necessarily plug and play the way i would have viewed tyke smith being that Mm -hmm. but the georgia roster is clearly better in my mind with turnage on it what's your take on all of this at the minimum he feels like a major burns replacement the Mm -hmm. fact that burns obviously enters the portal sounds like lsu is the most likely landing spot for him so what do they do they go out they get a guy who has played an SEC program, and if you can make it at Alabama, you can make it anywhere. I'm sure Frank Sinatra is rolling over in his grave when he hears that. Um, And so because of that, at the very least, you add another depth piece to this Georgia team in 2021. Now, I think the biggest question with Turnage and the thing I'm most interested in is, coming out of high school, he was recruited or at least listed as a cornerback prospect. Can he play cornerback for Georgia in 2021? Because I think that's the best chance he has at playing the field. And as Kirby Smart has said, they're going to try everyone out there at that cornerback position in hopes of finding guys that can go out there and play. Unfortunately, he doesn't have the experience I think that Georgia is looking for, which is why I think, once again, they could go into the portal. I know you're going to continue to try and speak Darian Kendrick into existence here. But at the very least, he adds to that depth in the secondary makes you feel a lot better in terms of potential injury because if say a Chris Smith or a Lewis scene goes down you do feel a lot better than having to turn to say a freshman in David Daniel yeah no doubt I mean as I said before you give me the choice of the Georgia roster and it doesn't have Brandon Turnage on it or the Georgia roster and it does have Brandon Turnage I'll clearly take the option that includes him because this is a player good enough to play at the SEC level just a matter of learning him up teaching him and getting him ready to you know actually be on the field he's been through practice Alabama similar defensive scheme so that's all good it's just a matter of taking that next step and being on the field so I'm glad that Georgia has you know has him but as you said before this is not a Darian Kendrick situation I know that Kendrick's got Mm -hmm. a little bit of I guess baggage right now and you have to sort of wait and figure out what all that's about and I won't pretend to know but if Kendrick comes here he's starter day one with all due respect to the guys on the Georgia roster Kendrick you know his potential first round pick this is a former you know all conference you know cornerback that's a guy you would expect to come in and win a starting job tyke smith you know given the way that he played a year ago given the fact that he's got some draft credentials too that's a guy that i expect to barring injury or something like that I expect to be a starter day one turnage you know from a recruiting standpoint compares very very closely to a guy like jalen kimber they are similar yep. you know recruiting numbers just two uh just you know different years but but you know that that doesn't mean that you sort of slide in and start right away. If anything else, he's just a part of a competition right. that includes Kimber and Keely Ringo and all of those guys. So I guess my assumption is is that George is still not quite done looking for those transfer defense backs. Mm-hmm. May not may not get one because you know some of this kind of stuff is not completely in George's control. But this does not preclude Georgia from looking at more defensive backs. No, not in the slightest. And I I think one of the things that this to me the the bigger signal here about Georgia going out, bringing in a transfer in Brandon Turnage coming from Alabama. One, I absolutely expect the SEC to overturn their interconference interconference transfer rule. The Pac-12 did theirs yesterday. I know there's a meeting on June 3rd where the SEC presidents will vote on that. My expectation is that'll be changed. The other thing that this sort of signals to me is when Georgia's gone out and added transfers in the past, and we have Kirby Smart on record as saying this, it's been need-based. Now, you can make an argument, yes, depth in the secondary was certainly a need. But going out and getting a guy like a Brandon Turnage who hasn't played a whole lot and you don't know what the expectation for him even playing this season is going to be is that Georgia's pretty clearly changing the way they view the transfer portal. And going forward, they're going to say, all right, if we see a quality player out there that we think can help us, maybe not this season but down the line, we're no longer going to hesitate to try and bring him in. And I know Kirby Smart still wants to – you know, appeal to high school recruits the most because I think that's the easiest way to build up your program. That's how Alabama and Ohio State are still going to continue to operate. 
But the fact that Kirby Smart went out and was proactive and getting a guy who might not see the field a whole lot in this coming season, I think is very interesting. It says a lot to me about the future usage of the transfer portal when it comes to Georgia football. Yeah, without getting too deep in the weeds, when it comes to the NFL draft or early NBA draft or anything like that, I'm a big believer in best player available. That if mm-hmm. you draft for need, all you're going to do is create more needs. Yep. That if you take a good player every time you draft, regardless of position, eventually you have a roster filled with good players. Yeah. That's always a better alternative than the than the other alternative there so the idea that hey he may not solve our immediate need but a year from now we'll be glad to have a former yeah. top 100 recruit uh in a, a top 10 cornerback in our defensive back room then obviously you kind of go out there and do that let me, let me just say this real quick though before mm-hmm. we move on one final thing so we've also done the ooh mike woods is in the transfer portal or ooh xavier worthy's in the transfer portal or ooh i don't even know who else I, uh jameson williams you know, because you're hearing good things about Rosemary Jack saying because Adonai Mitchell looks like he can play the game based on what you saw at G Day, does that now make you less interested if you're Georgia in the next Jamison Williams that pops in the transfer portal? And if it's Julian Fleming, that's going to be a different story. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I love it. He's just the, the, the highest rated receiver we've seen in a while. Well, he hasn't. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm obviously joking. I'm just yeah. saying that because yeah, there's no rumor about that. I should. Yeah. I got to be careful how I say things. But, um, <laughs> he just hasn't played much at Ohio yeah. State. Uh, that's the reason why I said that. There's no rumors out there about that. But the point is, does the fact that you have some of these receivers kind of maybe coming along here a little bit, does that make you, uh, I, I guess, less interested in whatever the next Mike Woods, Jamison Williams type guy would be? A little bit. I, I think one thing to keep in mind here, and maybe this is just anecdotal it's a, a one season thing but Georgia's pretty clearly proven that they can develop defensive backs into mm-hmm. NFL players and so because of that it's going to make them very appealing to high school recruits and you're seeing that in this 2022 cycle as I try to do the math there off the top of my head you know Malachi Starks five-star athlete probably going to play in the defensive backfield for Georgia Bulldogs in very good standing with Kamari Wilson uh Trey Quan Fagans out of Alabama is another highly rated cornerback Georgia is in good standing with there they can absolutely go into any defensive backs uh, living room in the country and absolutely appeal to them and say Georgia's a place where we can put you in the NFL. Georgia hasn't really been able to say that to the same level of success at the wide receiver position. So because of that, I think they really want to continue to develop the guys that they've recruited into NFL players before they necessarily go out and start trying to add guys to the transfer portal there because ultimately your ability to continue to develop high school recruits is going to be what makes you a successful program. That's why Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson traditionally don't rely a whole lot on transfers. Let me squeeze in one more thing and uh, we've gone a little long here but I want to squeeze this in. Georgia releasing some video and this is the first video I've seen, maybe there's been other video, I've just missed it, of the new building that has kind of I think just opened. It's weird to me how quiet all of this has been i, I don't know you know like when the west end zone facility opened up boy there was all kinds of chatter about that it was of course pre-pandemic so maybe that makes a big difference here but we'll show you some of this office space that george is going to put on display here are you with me connor that, that this has been kind of weirdly quiet and i don't really know i don't have an opinion as to why there's no i don't have it just kind of seems like we haven't made as much noise about this as i sort of assumed that we would so I think, and again, this is maybe just a hypothesis. I think you are correct in the lack of bigger news or or more videos about this new football facility is a little suspicious. I'll be really interested to see how much this building in its totality is highlighted in the month of June when recruits are allowed yeah. back on campus. And maybe they're you know trying to keep it you know muddled and quiet until they can really showcase and wow that first wave of visitors that come in the month of June to show them, hey, this is our brand spanking new facility. You're getting the first look at it. We haven't you know teased this on social media. We haven't let those reporters come in here and look around and inspect and whatnot. And so I think if it's not as hyped in the month of June as it has been, as I expect it to be, then I think I'll be even more suspicious about the status of this building. I mean, they, I mean, I wouldn't even begin to even speculate as to what's going on here, but normally in these college programs, when they build a new building, I mean, there's just like this like, <laughs> unbelievable, it's like, you know, parades and ceremonies, yeah. and this one just doesn't quite have that same level of buzz right, right now. And, and part of it, too, it, it is a football-only facility, and, and so that might not have a, a ton of public appeal but traditionally oh we put a new door on today let's yeah. throw up a social media video exactly yeah. so because i think maybe the lack of that I, I do think you're right in bringing up the fact that the lack of something more granular is a little interesting if you follow this stuff closely yeah so 
maybe some of us follow this stuff closer than we should. <laughs> but that is uh, that is out there and uh, kind of interesting all the way around. Connor, good stuff. Thanks for being here as part of our Kroger Fresh Take. We'll look forward to reading a bunch more from you at DogNation.com. And, of course, talking to you very soon there again as yep, well. Yep, look forward to seeing you people on Friday at the Braves event. Take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, really good stuff from Connor Riley all the way around. And speaking of really good stuff, you've heard me tell you about the Finnish long drink before. Y'all, you got to try this. My wife was enjoying some last night. We, uh, off the top of the show, we had baseball last night. That's, you know, these, some of these spring nights, like the greatest thing in the world, but they're also long, right? And so you come home, you want to relax and you kind of, you know, you know, kind of put a cap on a long day. And uh, the Finnish long drink is just a great way for us to be able to do that in our household. It comes, as the name might suggest, you know, from Finland. You know, kind of first originated around the summer games when they were in Helsinki, like back in the 1950s. It's actually kind of a really cool story about how it ended up in the United States and kind of how big of a deal it's been in Finland for such a long time. And, you know, once again, you know, hearing this this weekend, um, I think it was actually our buddy Connor Riley who part of some of the graduation festivities there in the University of Georgia. Those bars in Athens. Athens, everybody enjoying that finished long drink. The reason why is because it comes ready to drink right out of the can. In other words, you get great flavor. You don't have to do anything to it. Just open it and start drinking it. Got a liquor kick. Got the uh, citrus flavor of the original. There's a cranberry version. There's also a long drink zero, which obviously includes you know zero calories, zero carbs. Uh, really good stuff. There's a there's a stronger version that is eight and a half percent alcohol by volume that comes in the black can. So there's all kinds of really cool choices for you, whichever one you think you might like. I think you. I promise you will. And the next step for you is to kind of find some, try it yourself, understand why so many folks are so ready to make this a huge part of their spring and summer plans. It comes ready to drink right out of the can. It tastes great. Uh, got a liquor kick, all kinds of great flavor. TheLongDrink.com is the website. If you go to the website, TheLongDrink.com, you can find out you know which stores are selling it, where you can go to get it, which bars have it. This is a fun thing. We're going to be doing a lot of stuff with the finished long drink as we head towards the spring in the summer and i can't wait to tell you more about that but for now just go to the longdrink.com and find out where you can get some yourself here today all right let's roll do and do our sec through here for a moment so let me now bring the show to a screeching halt <laughs> and just slam on the brakes from what has otherwise been a pretty fun discussion georgia basketball a uh, little bit of a disappointing I, I guess at this point who even really knows but severe wheeler has announced his new college home and he's going to the university of kentucky and you know, obviously, you know, Wheeler staying in the SEC, now playing against Georgia this upcoming year. You know, you see the way in which the Wildcats are happy to have Wheeler on the roster. It obviously just kind of brings back to mind an unpleasant conversation for Georgia fans, which is the the number of transfers that have exited out of the program. And you, know, you got Katie Johnson getting close to announcing his new home there as well. And so you know, it's just been kind of an unpleasant conversation. Now, on the flip side of this, you know, Jeff Goodman, a uh, longtime college basketball reporter had some news yesterday on Twitter that Georgia might be in the mix for, you know, some interesting additions to the program here. So there is potentially some good news to come for Georgia basketball before, you know, the uh, upcoming season. But seeing Wheeler staying in the SEC to go to a place like Kentucky, that's a little bit of a deflating piece of news. And for Georgia fans trying to figure out what's what for the dogs in this new transfer portal world. Um, that is uh, obviously a little bit of a you know challenging piece of news all the way around. Uh, back to the world of college football here for a moment. South Carolina entered, announcing yesterday. Actually, I guess both schools announced it. But uh, UNC and South Carolina are going to do a home and home. Now, these two programs, those kind of two big state schools in the Carolinas, have actually played a lot in recent years. A lot of times these games are in Charlotte where, where Georgia's going to play Clemson this year. But this is a home and home for 28-28 and 2029. My reason for bringing this up is... I'm very interested to see what the North Carolina program looks like in 2028. If you follow college football recruiting pretty closely, I think one of the things you would say is a pretty unmissable recent trend is the way in which North Carolina has become a big factor in recruiting. I mean, uh, Mac Brown's is becoming UNC coach, has had some recruiting wins, and they are in play for some big names for the class of 2022 as well. I mean, they're one of the schools that might be battling a school like Georgia for, you know, defense tackle Travis Shaw, for instance. And, you know, you just sort of see UNC showing up in some of these big recruitments in a way you did not in the past. This is a big state school. They got a lot of, you know, a lot of pedigree, a lot of history. UNC, I mean, I should say the state of North Carolina has, you know, pretty decent high school football. So you're able to kind of lean on some in-state connections there. Obviously, Mac Brown will not be coaching the Tar Heels, at least that's my assumption, in 2028. 
but what does he leave there in Chapel Hill? And for an ACC that is desperate for a team other than Clemson to kind of show up and have some permanence to it year over year success, boy, it'll be interesting to see what UNC becomes by then and how much of a thorn in the side of other SEC teams are they in, in recruiting. I think that's kind of an interesting story worth watching. Uh, UNC and South Carolina getting ready to renew their series there. And then really quickly, let me just do this to kind of wrap things up here for SEC through. Uh, I thought that Dennis Dodd had a very interesting column at uh, uh, CBSSports.com talking about the way the transfer portal and things like that are causing co- coaches to have to rethink their roster management skills and a couple of the coaches that were were quoted jake spavadol who i believe now is the head coach at texas state i believe and the head co- the, the the new head coach after mike norvell at memphis one of the things that both these guys were saying and y'all i, I just think we've got to pay close attention to this that i think the people who have pushed transfer portal on us are doing it for what they believe are the right reasons I think they want to do right by players, and I have respect for that. And I believe they genuinely believe that increasing the freedoms that players enjoy is the way to do right by players. But, y'all, I still want to say let's just be really careful to measure what actually happens because of this. We told you last year of the class of 2021, there were like 100 and something fewer players that signed scholarships last year than the year before. And you can say, well, pandemic impacted that and super senior extra eligibility impacted that. Maybe that it did. But both Spavadol and the coach at Memphis in the CBS Sports article were both essentially saying they are now recruiting fewer high school kids because of the transfer portal. Because when you bring in a high school kid, you don't know if he's good or not. The kid that's transferring somewhere else, at least you have an idea of what he brings to the table. In the long run, that may be good for a player who gets a chance to transfer, but that is not good for college football overall. If you have, or I should say, it's not good for the players who want to play college football to have fewer opportunities available for them. And I think that is not getting enough attention here. There are currently 2,500 names in the football transfer portal. There are about 2,000 uh, getting close to that in the basketball transfer portal. There are only a couple of hundred roster spots even available. So we've, we've created this transfer portal economy where the coaches, the programs get to be very selective who they bring in. Most of the players in that have nowhere to go. But as the transfer guys move around, that also creates less opportunity for high school players there as well. Now, you can listen to me say all this and say, well, B.A., you're just an old head. You're trying to fight for tradition. You're trying to you know, keep college football the way that it is. You're trying to resist change too much. Don't take my word for it. Do your own research. Look into this. See the ways in which these radical changes that are being pushed on college sports are affecting the sport. Decide for yourself, are these changes for the better or for the worse? I'll let you do that for yourself, and you can uh, tell me what you uh, figure out there. We'll make that our SEC through. But before we wrap up here today, let me also send a quick hello to my friends at Merriweather and Tharp. Had a great lunch today with Bob Tharp, uh, partner over there at Merriweather and Tharp. They are doing so many great things right now, and it is great to see the impact they're having on the community because, let's face it, the divorce process is a real factor, a real thing that some of you, unfortunately, are going to have to deal with. But if you do go through it, you want somebody strong on your side who knows the law, the intricacies of all the decisions that have to be made there, someone who can make you feel whole again, restore your family relationships, your finances, all that kind of stuff to set you up for a next season, next chapter of life. It's more enjoyable than the one that you have currently been in. That is what Meriwether and Tharp can do. They are your source for Georgia divorce. So find them online, theatlantadivorceteam.com. That website, once again, theatlantadivorceteam.com. That will get you in touch with my friends at Meriwether and Tharp. As we wrap up here today on this program, let's do so with some fun. Of course, our Gator Hater Roll Call. Love seeing how many of you are like me in your distaste for those lousy, stinking Gators. And of course, one of the ways we do that is by honoring someone as our golden shoe winner on the show each and every day. Of course, that's the the trophy that we have to offer around here. Our buddy Mad Dog steps back up to the plate, wins this thing again. Uh, Very, very funny uh, photo here. I believe that's Bill Goldberg that Kirby Smart's head is photoshopped onto there, kind of choking out a... A gator. I like to see that all the way around. He says, Mad Dog says on Twitter, when you practice gator wrestling to prepare for October 30th, yeah, it's going to be here before you know it. And can't wait to see Kirby Smart doing some of that kind of stuff in real life then. By the way, speaking of October 30th, 
now just 160, how many days? 65 days away. 165 days away. It's our Gatorator countdown. We will see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We'll talk to you then, everybody. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. Of course, you can find R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. If your air conditioning unit, if you're worried it's not going to make its way through the summer that's still on its way, then get your system tuned back up to factory fresh specs. Find them today at rsandrews.com. If it's okay with you all, I'm going to forego the typical format on this, taking your comments on either Twitter, reaching out to me at Dog Nation Daily, or our comment section at dognation.com when we post the show each day because I want to mention some news that has just come out, at least for me at the time I'm recording this, by the time many of you hear this, you'll be aware of it. Georgia Clemson announced game time of 7.30 p.m. for the season opener there on September 4th in Charlotte. Of course, the feeling around you know, really both programs, Georgia and Clemson now for a while, the state of North Carolina is that we're heading towards a full stadium for that. You know, North Carolina has eased its restrictions. The NASCAR event, you know, slated to take place at Memorial Day weekend. They're going to have full crowd there for that. The door is completely open now for it to be a full stadium there at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte for the game. And now we know it will be a night game. So for Georgia fans who have been hungry for a return to normalcy, this is it. All day tailgating. Huge, huge game. I, I've been kind of teasing this on our video side a little bit. I, I didn't have time to get to this day. I want to try to do something to show about this today. That there's some chatter out there that you know you can make a case that this is among the bigger season opening games in the history of college football. I think that's an interesting thing. Uh, Connor Riley, our producer, who you also heard on today's show, was saying that you know previous to this, I guess the high water mark is the is the Alabama Florida State season opener. Was it 2017 or 2018? 2017 season opener there in Atlanta. Obviously, Florida State did not finish the year, ranked as high as they were to start the year. Uh, DeAndre Francois ended up getting hurt, but but that was you know coming into the season like a number one versus number three type matchup. This is going to be two very highly ranked teams here, and there probably been fewer of those really high season opening matchups than maybe you might think and obviously Georgia's got you know some great history on opening games but I don't know that any game has been more anticipated in the Georgia program's history than this one's going to be so now we now know it's going to be 7 30 p.m. Uh, some other game times are kind of in here on this there as well uh, Georgia will actually be playing at the same time that Alabama and Miami are playing another SEC versus AC matchup that'll also be 7 30 um, and September 6th, I guess that's the Monday game. That's an 8 p.m. tilt between Louisville and Ole Miss. That game also in Atlanta, part of those, you know, uh, the Chick-fil-A folks in Atlanta like to have those multiple games. This is another one of those there. And then you've also come out with the announcement that uh, September 11th, 7 p.m. game time for Texas at Arkansas. And then a September 18th, 7.30 uh, game time for Auburn at Penn State. So ABC likes to kind of announce some of its early games you know, kind of right there in one cluster. We actually talked about this in video a little bit today, too, that sometimes it seems this comes out in June. Maybe I'm misremembering that, but they're dropping this here in the middle of May. So some pretty anticipated early season games, a lot of these involving SEC teams. Of course, Georgia Clemson there at the top of that list. So now that we know the time, and I think most of us probably expect it to be a night game anyway, but now that we know that official, you can start even thinking more about that. Of course, Dog Nation is going to have big plans for this that we'll be telling you about as we get closer to the game. It's just going to be so much fun. I'm just am so excited. The energy around the start of the upcoming season and the return to normalcy with recruiting as that gets going here again in June. Boy, what a great time to be a college football fan. So I hope you're getting settled in, getting ready to enjoy all of that. And I'll look forward to hearing from you. In fact, I'd love to have you tell me what you feel about the game 730 on that Saturday night, September 4th. Are you making plans on being there? Uh, if you're listening to this right now, I'd love to have you hit me up on that. At Dog Nation Daily on Twitter. Comment section there, dognation.com. We'll talk some more about this and everything else going on around Georgia football tomorrow in our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Thank you for being here. See you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by ESOG. We'll talk to you then, everybody.